Welcome back to the All Figured Out podcast. My name is Andrea Barr. Thanks for joining me. I am really excited about this episode. It's just going to be me on the mic, but I'm going to be talking you through one of my favorite interview prep tactics, and that is preparing for when the interviewer inevitably asks you, so tell me about yourself. I'm going to frame this up from both a personal perspective and an interview perspective because as new parents, or I just as parents in general, we've gone through some life changes and sometimes it can be really hard to answer the question, tell me a bit about yourself when you feel like your identity has totally shifted. And spoiler alert, answering this question for an interview or in a personal setting is actually really similar. It just requires dialing up and down some different areas of the way you answer the question. So really excited to get into this today. I've got three steps for you to tackle this. It's going to be short and sweet, very tactical. So highly recommend you listen to this and then go to the show notes and check out the download resource that's available to support you in this and doing the preparation that I walk you through and make some notes and grab your journal. It's going to be fun. You're listening to the All Figured Out Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Barr. As a career coach for parents, a mom, an entrepreneur, and someone who spent 10 plus years in the corporate world, I still don't have it all figured out. And maybe you don't either. In this podcast, I'll share tools and strategies that I use with my clients. And in the many areas where I don't have things figured out, I'll be bringing you some amazing guest experts to help us fill in the gaps. So tune in each week as we explore how to make career and life decisions that truly work for you, your family, and your big goals. Let's make moves. Ah, the old tell me about yourself question. In an interview, you know with 95% certainty that this question is coming at you hot off the top. In real life, some variation will sneakily hit you in a new setting. It could come in the form of the old, so what do you do question that we all love. You might not realize it, but it's actually the same question. At the root of it, what they're asking is, who are you? What are you like? What are you all about? And after about 15 seconds of talking, I'm going to make up my mind about if I want to get to know you more, if I like you, and if I'm intrigued by you and what you have to say. The situations that we know this crops up at are parties, work events, dating, school drop-off, and honestly, it's all the same. So today we're going to explore how you can clearly identify just who it is that you are, how you can communicate that, and how you can tailor your response depending on the situation. I'm going to make a bold statement here and say that the way that you answer this question to your CEO at the holiday company party is going to be a bit different from the dad that you meet at playgroup. Why is it important that we talk about this? Why is it important that we have a really great answer when somebody says, tell me about yourself or so what do you do? On one hand, I know that it's kind of uh, an icky thing in life where people say, oh, so what do you do as the first question when they meet you? It is kind of strange that we identify ourselves often by our careers and what we do nine to five versus somebody asking you, what are you like? Or what are your hobbies and interests? But as much as I'd want to say, let's change that. Let's create a revolution. It's just sometimes there's customs and norms that we just have to be prepared for. And this is one of them. It's really important to also talk about this because we know the question is going to come up. If not every day, every time you're in a situation that is new, a social situation, a work situation, what have you, we just know it's going to come up. And if you are in a, say, a competitive sense up against another candidate who might not be as qualified, 
they could potentially get the job because they're speaking more confidently about who they are, their skills, what they're like in the world. And what a shame that just because you didn't have a really confident answer to this or you didn't feel quite prepared that somebody else would get the promotion or the job over you because they just had a better answer to this. And it's really important because this is an opportunity for you to let your light shine, for somebody to get to know the real you. And so when somebody asks you, oh, what do you do? That's actually your opportunity instead of saying, oh, well, I'm a financial accountant uh, and I do blah, 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 and make it really boring. You can speak with enthusiasm and you could actually educate somebody on what it is that you do, but you can also say, and I'm a parent of three and this is what I'm interested in. Like you can throw in some personal things as well quick story. When I went back to school to Royal Roads, we were put in these wonderful groups for our group projects for the year. I had an amazing team that I was part of and we decided to go for a dinner all together as a team to get to know one another. So we actually decided to go around the table and just do a little, oh, tell me about yourself for each person. I don't know what got into me. I guess I was drinking a glass of wine. I don't know what, I honestly don't know what happened. I think I blacked out, woke up, and 15 minutes later, I was still talking about myself. I can't think back on this situation without cringing and still feeling embarrassed. It was so cringy. I was telling them my entire life story, not just the relevant pieces that they would want to know. I was telling them where I grew up. I was telling them about my family. Like, it was so out of control. It was like this snowball that I just couldn't stop. I couldn't stop the snowball from rolling down the hill. It was too big at that point. And I don't want that to happen to you. It might have already happened to you, but let's say no more and let's just rein this in. And I've got some tips for you on how to do that. Step one, get clarity on who you are. This is going to be a theme probably throughout the podcast. Every time we do some sort of workshop, the first step is always just getting that information about the situation. And the situation in this context is, who are you? What are you about? What are your motivations? Who are you in the world? And I know it can sound a bit trite and overdone, like know thyself, blah, blah, blah. But I ask this because as a parent, your identity does shift. And even if you don't feel like your life has changed dramatically since becoming a parent, probably a lot of things have changed for you over the past few years. I would say probably the past five to 10 years, some massive, massive shifts happen in this phase of life when we're becoming parents. I don't think it's talked about too often where when we're thinking about becoming parents, we're kind of thinking about it in isolation. Like I didn't have a little human one day and now I do. Or at one point in my life, I didn't have children and now I have three. But what I think we forget to talk about is the fact that a lot of us, when we're having children, it comes at this in this phase of life where so many other changes are happening. You might be having rapid career growth, solidifying a position within your industry, within your company. Maybe you've changed industries in the last few years. Maybe you're taking on more responsibility at work. Maybe you're going from an executor to a decision maker or a leader. And at home, you're having to start to make some really big decisions that you and perhaps your partner are making together versus involving your parents or other people. And of course, you become someone with financial responsibilities. Maybe you have a mortgage. You might be starting to save for retirement, starting to make adult decisions like, should we go on vacation? And oh my goodness, we're not going to stay at a hostel. We're actually going to stay at a real hotel, like things like that. It's a really big shift. It's a really big phase of life. And we talk about the shift to becoming parents but we often don't talk about that shift of becoming adults at the same time. 
I do say this just to first and foremost, allow you to cut yourself some slack. When I dig into this topic with clients, the whole, who are you? What are you all about? Before I even answer the question, tell me about yourself. There can be a lot of shame that comes up with the clients that I work with. If I'm going to be honest, I work with a lot of high achievers. I think that those of you who are listening to this podcast are in that camp as well. You're high achievers. You want to achieve a lot in your career. You want to be the best parents possible. And some of you might feel like you're not where you should be, or you might feel like you're not where you want to be. I just want to start off by saying that you are no doubt doing amazing. You have to think of the context of all these changes that I just shared that are happening in your life all at the same time. I actually had a call with my financial planner a week ago and we were just going through financial things and cash flow and all of that. And they're just looking at like the line items that have been adding up over the last few years. And I just asked him, he has uh, two kids. And so I asked him, oh my gosh, Michael, please tell me this is the most expensive phase of life. And he just laughed and said like, undoubtedly, this is the most expensive phase of life where things are all over the place and they feel they can feel a little bit messy. Whether it's a financial messiness, whether it's where you're at in your career, just know, first of all, that you're not alone. And second of all, it's okay. There is time. You have time. And so when you're getting to know yourself, check the judgment at the door and really think about like who you are at your core. So let's break this down a little further, get a bit more tactical. So there's some different buckets that you can think about when you're thinking about who are you as a person. So what hats do you wear at home? What hats do you wear in your community? What hats do you wear at work? What hats are you currently working on to wear? And so I'll give you some examples. So what hats do you wear at home? Are you a parent, a caregiver? Are you the social butterfly? Do you make all the plans in your friend group? Are you a homebody? Do you just love to nest and stay at home and get all hygge? What hats do you wear in your community? So what I mean by this would be any sort of community that you identify with or that you are a part of physically, whether it's faith-based, whether it's professional, you could be involved in the arts, sports, politics, neighborhood, like we're all part of different communities, whether they're formal structures or not. And what hats do you wear at work? What kind of work do you do each day? What and who are you responsible for? What do you bring to the organization or the team culture? Are you the person that plans the secret Santa? And this is a fun one. What hats are you working on being able to wear? So what are the areas or what are the hats that are a work in progress. So that could be something like you're hoping to start or grow your family, or you're looking to find a new community or communities of like-minded individuals. Maybe you're studying, maybe you're learning a new skill. Those are things that are really important to also think about and consider. When we ask ourselves these questions and we really take the time to reflect, it allows us to look past the who we think we should be right now and actually celebrate who we currently are. And I'm guessing you're very multifaceted and someone who probably doesn't always celebrate or recognize that side of yourself. Okay, so that was step one. We'll call that kind of like the data collection. So who are you? Who are you at your core? And I want you to really spend time thinking about this. So I have a download in the show notes where you can actually use this. You can print it out or you can just use these as journal prompts to just start to think about who are you at your core. And you can use this if you're preparing for an interview as well. So now let's move on and get a bit more focused to what the situation calls for. Step two, do some prep work. This is the fun part, and this is where you become really sleuthy and strategic. Now, those of us who have not done the prep work in certain situations, how this manifests can be being caught off guard, being a little too excited, rambly, 
the story that I told you about when I was at dinner and just rambling on about my life. Like these are all the cringy things that can happen if we don't do the prep work. So listen up. Step two, do the prep work. A cool way to think about this would be, do you want to be an egomaniac or do you want to be an empath? So what I mean by that is the egomaniac is somebody who is talking about details that have no other purpose other than to serve self-indulgence. Like this is the person who's talking about aspects of their life that they just want to bring up for the sake of stroking their own ego or because it's something that they want to talk about, but they're not really considering or recognizing the person who's in front of them and what they might want to know about you. It can be really subtle. So it's not always meaning that you're bragging or you're talking about how much money you make or the cars you have in your garage, but it could just be sharing things to the other party that are kind of boring and irrelevant. So like your 16-year-old babysitter doesn't really want to hear about your hemorrhoids or, or sharing your birth story with your child's teacher when they just want to get a sense of who you are as a parent in your family dynamic. Another one, and this is one that is also really sneaky, is sharing too many technical work details or using industry jargon when you're in a setting that somebody might not understand what you're talking about. It can just be so condescending and so boring And it just kind of makes it look like you're looking down upon a person when you're using jargon that they clearly know nothing about. So if we contrast this with that empathetic response that I was mentioning, you're using your x-ray vision to get into the question asker's brain and determining the details that you want to share with them based on what you think that they would actually be interested in hearing about. What is it that this person really wants to know about me? So some more empathetic examples would be, you know, sharing about being a parent and how you're having a hard time with the adjustment when you're at a group hangout for new parents. Like that's a totally appropriate time to share more vulnerably with a group of other parents who might be feeling the same thing. Or if you're introducing yourself to a new team at work when you're starting a new job or whatever it is, and you're sharing the details of what you did in your last role, you want to make sure that those are relevant to the work that you'll be doing in this role. When I was moving from advertising into learning and development, it was a really big jump. So I was going from making banner ads, making TV and radio campaigns to learning and development, being an internal resource in human resources in a large company. So really, really, really different. So when I started this job, I remember having a little conversation or pep talk with myself and saying, okay, how do I share who it is that I am? And how do I do that in a way that feels relevant to the people that I'm going to be working with? And to be honest, that makes them feel confident in the work that I'll be able to do on this team because not everybody will see the translation of going from advertising into learning and development. So when I was introducing myself, I was pretty careful with the words that I used. So instead of using things like account manager or account supervisor, which were my previous titles, I said things like project manager or I worked with clients. So I more described the nature of the work versus the titles because I mean, titles are boring and also titles are really different across different companies. And so it doesn't actually tell a person what it is that you did or what you do. I'd also throw some fun in there. So I worked on some really cool brands like Johnson & Johnson and McDonald's. And so I would share that because those are brands that people know about. It's not about downplaying your experience or your credentials. It's just about translating them to your audience. Okay, so if you're taking all the information that you've gathered about yourself from step one, so who it is that you are, There's a lot there. How do you filter that to the audience that you're speaking with? So some of the questions you can ask yourself here are, what do you know about them in terms of, you know, what do they do? Or how do you know this person? 
Another question you'd ask yourself is what is the outcome of the conversation? An example here that I can give would be a wedding. This is a really interesting one. So if you're meeting somebody at a friend's wedding, the social construct is that you're meeting somebody who you obviously already have a mutual acquaintance with. So the outcome is going to be kind of a get to know you. It's more exploratory. It's more high level. There's no, are we going to become friends? Will there be a business transaction in the end? Like sometimes those things can happen, but it's more of just a high level chit chat, you know, that sort of thing. And so when you're in a conversation like this, you don't really know much about the person, but you know that you have one person in common. And so when you're dancing around, the conversation is going to be high level. So when you're really thinking about what parts of yourself do you want to share, you can kind of share little bits and pieces from each part of you. So share really high level who you are at work, share really high level who you are in your personal life and share high level who you are in your community. And what that does is it allows the person to kind of pick at something that they might have as a commonality with you. So say you share that you have three kids under three. Oh my goodness, the person you're chatting with also has three kids and oh my goodness, they also have three boys. So because you shared a few little bits and pieces from each area of your life, because it's a very high level chit chat, that gives them an opportunity to chat with you about a topic that you have in common. Okay, so the next piece would just kind of be asking yourself, what do they want to know about you? So when someone asks you, tell me about yourself or what do you do? Really think for a second, like this is a split second decision that you're making to say, what do I think that they want to know about me? If you're an external hire for a CEO position at a company and you're giving your first big address at a town hall, you know that the audience is sitting there wanting to know if you're up for the challenge. They want to know if you're decently likable. They want to know if you're somebody who has what it takes to make the employees' lives better. Now, this is a really subtle thing, but especially in this context, if you are a new leader or you're somebody on a team, people want to know what's in it for them. And so really think about this town hall address and the CEO, if they're doing it right, they're not going to be talking just about the bottom line and I'm going to make this company great. And that's all well and good, but this person should also really be translating that into how this is going to translate into making your life as the employee great. See that subtle difference? So as I talk about really understanding your audience, one common misconception or pitfall would be that you're hyper-focusing in one area. So say you're at a community barbecue and you're like, okay, well, this is someone that I'm a neighbor with. I'm only going to talk about neighborhood things. That's kind of boring, right? So like if you're just only talking about the landscaping or the new construction or whatever, like that's kind of boring. So it's not about hyper-focusing. It's just about getting more clear and having a bit more of a plan for who it is that you're talking to. So the way that we can combat that is to actually think about the conversation as a ratio. So instead of saying, okay, this is a work context. I'm only going to talk about my work history. I'm going to introduce myself to my new team. And I'm only going to talk about my credentials and my resume. No, you're not going to do that. But you're probably going to dial up the percentage of time that you're talking so that you're talking maybe a little bit more about your resume and where you've come from professionally. And then you're going to dial down just a little bit, maybe your personal and community details. So definitely still share about who you are in your real life, but you want to dial up that resume piece a bit more. So when we're talking about preparation, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about this from the context of preparing for an interview. When I work with clients and they tell me they have an interview coming up, we often hop on the phone and we do an interview prep session. And the number one thing that I say across the board without fail, no matter who you are is, have you prepped your tell me about yourself? 
I am so passionate about this because this is hands down the most important piece of preparation that you will do for an interview. There's no questions asked. There's psychological reasons for this. There's confidence reasons for this. There's technical reasons for this, which I won't get into all of them, but just trust me that this is the most important thing that you will prepare for an interview. This is going to make or break your first impression. It's going to help or hinder your confidence for the rest of the conversation. So you can really set yourself out on the right foot and feel really good and get that momentum and get that ball rolling. It has the opportunity to give you the floor and to show yourself at your best. Again, 99% of the time, this is how the interview will start. So you have a great resume. Thanks for joining today. Thanks for chatting with us. We'd love to hear a bit about who you are. You know, tell us a bit about yourself. 99% of the time, that's how an interview is going to start. And so you know that. That is one thing. No matter how the rest of the interview goes, no matter what questions they ask, this is your time. This is your time to have the floor. And so you can show them that you're prepared. You can show them that you're confident. You can show them your wonderful, smart, charismatic self. This is your time to shine. So make sure that you are preparing for this and that you're really thinking about that step one, who am I? And then step two, doing that preparation. Who is the person that's interviewing me? What is the role that I'm interviewing for? What do these people really want to know about me? And how can I do that in a succinct way? Okay, let's move on to the third and final step, and that is tailoring your response. So we've kind of touched on this throughout, but I just want to make a special mention to how to tailor your response in different situations, especially if you're kind of caught off guard. So you've probably started to, at this point, nail your response. You've had a couple interviews. You've done the tell me about yourself. You've realized, oh my gosh, Andrea, you were right. This is exactly what I need to do. I need to prepare the tell me about myself every single time I have an interview. That went so well. Great. But say you have a totally different situation coming up. So you've kind of crafted and nailed your interview version. But what if you're going to a holiday party coming up and you have to introduce yourself again? How do you tailor your response? Firstly, come back to your percentages. So think of those three bucket areas I've been talking about, which is your personal world, your community world and your work world. And really think about, again, do your preparation if you can, or just do this really quickly in your head. Okay, who is the person standing in front of me? What do they want to know about me? And then you quickly dial up and down those aspects of yourself. So if it's a personal holiday party, dial up the personal side of things, dial down maybe the the work stuff. And you can do this really, really fast, and it doesn't require preparation, but it just requires a bit of conscious thinking. And then the second piece to this, really easy, is just the length. So say you're doing a keynote speech, you have carte blanche of introducing yourself and depending on how you're going to be structuring that speech, you can decide on what that tell me about yourself length is. If you're in a playgroup circle and you have to go around, say your name, say your kid's name, and maybe one fun fact about yourself, that has got to be really, really quick. We know that. So that's just a quick calculation of being like, okay, I've got 30 seconds. What do I want to share? So tailoring your response is honestly as easy as that. It's ensuring that you've done the prep work if and when possible, but then if not, it's just doing that prep work really, really fast in your head. Who's the person in front of me? What do they want to know about me? What do I dial up in terms of personal community or work? And then how much time do I have and how do I tailor my tell me about myself and how do I tailor this response based on the situation and what it calls for? So there you have it. Those are the three steps. 
And the more you practice in a conscious way, the easier it gets. So you've been practicing this your entire life. You've been doing this. You've been telling people what you do for work. You've been telling people a little bit about yourself. But the more you practice in this conscious way, honestly, the easier it gets. And I still fumble, but I find that just having some of these tools and these little mental tricks can really, really help and just make me walk away from situations where I might otherwise have rambled and felt kind of badly about myself. You can kind of walk away with your head a bit higher. If there's one thing to take away from an interview perspective, I hope it's that you remember that preparing the tell me about yourself is the most important preparation that you will do for any interview. So make sure you remember that one. And I also want you to remember to cut yourself a bit of slack. So you're going through a lot of changes in work, in life, and just remember that people want to know who it is that you are at your core. You are an amazing person. Let them see that person confidently. Let your light shine. So a quick recap of the steps. Number one, figure out who you are personally, in your community, in your career. Number two, do the prep work. Think about who the audience is. Think about what they want to know about you, that sort of thing. And step three, tailor your response. I hope you got so much out of this episode and that it helps you both from that work and personal perspective. I do have a download available for this. It's a worksheet that I use with my clients and I hope it helps you a lot. So check out the show notes. The show notes are in your podcast app. There's kind of a shortened version there, but all of the links are there and it'll take you to a blog post on my website, which has everything in more detail, basically recaps the episode in a blog post format. And then in that as well, you'll find the download. So you can actually print this out, use it as journal prompts, whatever it is you want to do. So you are prepared the next time somebody asks you, tell me about yourself or, oh, so what do you do? You're going to answer that confidently. You're going to feel really good when you walk away. And that person is just going to absolutely fall in love with you. Thank you for listening. You can access all resources mentioned in this episode via my website, andreabar.com slash podcast. And let's chat on Instagram. I'm at andreabarcoaching and I reply to every DM I get. If you loved this episode, don't forget to quickly hit that button on your podcast app to give me a five-star rating and drop in a review. It would truly mean the world. And if you're like me and love to share things that you love, send this episode to a friend who you think would appreciate this topic. Thanks again for listening and I'll chat with you next week.